0: My name is Danny Grant, and I would like to welcome you back to the studio. This is the place where I interview and talk shop with other professional artists, and we get a glimpse into their daily lives as professional artists. On this episode is artist Todd Casey. I've known Todd since 2007 when we spent many hours side by side making graphite drawings of plaster casts, at Jacob Collins Water Street Atelier. Um I'm excited to have Todd on the show. He's doing exciting things, making great paintings, selling a lot of work, and he has a motor that does not stop. Every time I talk to Todd, he seems to have a million things going on. Um he recently initiated and um a group show at his the gallery that he shows with Rays in Manhattan. Um So he kind of initiated the show. He did a lot of work with the gallery to organize the show. Um, He and his wife, Gina, designed the catalog for the show. Uh, It was basically a a Water Street alumni show um, that I I was happy to participate in as well. Um, But Todd also works a full-time job. Uh, He manages to produce a lot of paintings. Uh, Like I said, he's selling a lot of work right now. And he teaches two online classes. He meets monthly with a group of private students and uh, so much more. And I thank him for taking the time to be on my show. Um, So please enjoy my chat with Todd Casey. Hey, Todd, how's it going? Hey, Danny, what's going on? Not much, much, man. Uh, Thanks for being on the show, Todd. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, of course. So, Todd, you're in, uh, New York, right? Yeah, I'm in, uh, Westchester County. It's just, uh, okay. I'm about 40 minutes,
1: uh, 40, 45 minutes north of the city.
0: You were in Queens before, right? We
1: were in Queens, yeah. Uh, yeah, when we studied together, I was in Astoria, and then I moved to Forest Hills. We moved in, uh, 2015, we bought a house. We bought a old farmhouse from 1867, so... We're in a like acre of land, it's total contrast to the city, but pretty sweet,
0: yeah, that's really cool, okay, well, Todd, let's get into it here. um, so can you tell everybody what your what your daily schedule looks like?
1: <laughs> All right, man, um so do I start from when I wake up or just
0: yeah, yeah, what time do you wake up um and then that's because right,
1: um, in your interviews, you wake up at like four thirty or Doug wakes up at 4:30 and you wake up at like five.
0: Yeah, I get up at. Um, well, now my alarm goes off at 4:50 and so I'm. 4:50. I'm, uh, I'm trying to be. I get into the studio about five after ten after I get up and, um, put the coffee on and yeah, it's good though. I'm I'm like I'm wow. I'm into it now. Like I can my body like is ready to go. It's cool. It's awesome. So if I said <laughs> like I
1: wake up at like 3:30, are you gonna start? Changing your alarm even earlier. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I get up at 3:15, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: man. I'll start. Um. So, so I, I wake up super late compared to you guys. I wake up at around seven o'clock every morning. Uh, wake up, get ready for work. Uh, just like you guys, I I brew my own coffee. So I I brew my big, like thermos <laughs> of coffee to bring you right. uh into the city. And then I I go to uh, a, a day job where I work as a graphic designer uh, for Ralph Lauren. Okay. So I get there around 9:15 if my boss is.
0: So you're riding you're riding into nine, the city for that, right? What's that? You're uh, you're are you hopping on a train riding into the city? Yeah, we get
1: I get Metro North. So okay. Uh, the beauty of my whole schedule is that um, I'm basically on the train at about eight o'clock and I get in the city at nine. It's about an hour hour commute. But okay. I'm I'm like an old man. It's like once once I sit down, I just fall asleep. <laughs> kind of wake up in Grand Central. Yeah. Um,
0: no, I I know I have that. I remember being on the train a lot in New York, and it was like, oh man, I got all this time to be like productive, and yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do all this stuff, man. When that train leaves the station, it's like it's snooze city for me. I, I, yeah, I I've actually <laughs> grown
1: to love it. Um, it, I, I yeah. When I don't sleep, I read a lot of books. Um, Mm -hmm. so I usually take my 20 minute nap depending on like, if I'm up really late the night before painting, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but it really just gives me the ability to, to read. I mean, I always had a list of books that I wanted to read and I never had the time to read them. Right. Yeah. And now it's just kind of like you wake up from your 20 minute nap and you're like, Oh, I got 40 minutes left. So, you know, you can play solitaire on iPhone or chess, which is (laughs) another, (laughs) Or or the minions game I played on my iPhone, which is Ooh. ridiculous. Uh but such a waste of time. But but then I I get in modes of like reading a lot of books. So anyway, yeah, that's cool. I get to work at like nine fifteen, like I was saying, if my boss mm-hmm. is listening, uh I get there at nine o'clock. Wink wink. <laughs> um and then I leave work at about five twenty. Um but for the purpose of my boss i leave at six mm-hmm. and then uh get at- first
0: one in last one to leave
1: right kind of yeah i mean you know the job gets done yeah. and um and then i get metro north back home and i usually get back into my house at about seven o'clock okay from seven o'clock um is when i either try to get some exercise in just similar to kind of what you and uh you and doug are doing uh either run on the treadmill or about running on the treadmill? It's a lot more of the thinking of <laughs> running on the treadmill. um do you go
0: to a gym or do you have a treadmill at your house I, I
1: you know i I try to go to a gym um it's just too convenient to do it at my house, so I'd prefer to do it there yeah so we have a we have a treadmill in the basement cool uh so then from like seven to nine is the time I kind of catch up with my wife and uh and we just Kind of chat about our day, watch a little TV, uh, make dinner together. Mm-hmm. And then at like eight forty five is the start to kind of when she goes to bed and gets ready, takes a shower. Luckily I have a wife that goes to bed really early. She's like <laughs> in bed by nine. Which that's is, helpful. Yeah, yeah. And it just gives me like a great three hour window um from nine to midnight to paint every night.
0: Cool. Yeah, it, and so are are you um what's your energy level like at at that time of night? Are you able to kind of really concentrate and and, and get some good painting in? Absolutely.
1: I've done it um nice. I mean I've done it for you know, I left uh GCA Water Street, whatever you want to call it, in two thousand ten mm-hmm. and it's kind of the schedule that I've been on ever since. All right, cool. I mean there's some weird other like jobs that I've had in between, but for the last three and a half years I've been at Polo. But yeah, you know, but that, it's also lenient. Some days you don't go to the studio. Uh, so most days I go to the studio. Some days I get there early if I have a deadline. Like if mm-hmm. I'm doing a commission, um, it's pretty much what I'm thinking about all day. And then right. I'll get home and I'll be like, all right, you know, let's eat quick because I gotta, I gotta get in the studio. And then sometimes yep. I stay up late to like one in the morning. I'm such a night owl. Mm-hmm. But again, that it just kind of it sets a routine then I sleep longer on the train or
0: then I, right. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I that's, uh, that's, uh, I hate that about sleep. It's like, if you, you, gotta go. you know, you, you, you burn it, you burn the candle one end, you're going to pay for it, you know, on the other side. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, the downside to my schedule is that I I pretty much got to be in bed by 10, at the latest. Um, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm more natural, naturally a, a night owl, but I've just found that I'm so much more productive in those early morning hours. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so you know, I've, I've just had to switch it. There's so much, but... I, I feel like
1: I've learned just from listening to the last two podcasts or three actually, and, uh, how you guys just even think about setting up your palette or, you know, just get ready for your session later on, like wake up in the morning, just kind of set up your studio. Um, but I haven't done anything since then, so it sounds great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I I don't, you know, it sounds like you, this works for you. So it's that's that's what I find interesting about these conversations is that everybody has their thing, and um, you, you kind of just got to find that. And oh yeah. Absolutely. Once once you find it, it's great because you know sometimes that's a big part of the battle, and you know for for artists who have families it's a it's a little bit more of a challenge just dealing with the the extra thing with kids and everything um so let me ask you about that todd you're married but no kids right now right
1: no kids yet.
0: is that something in the future or don't know or um you know we're
1: at the we're at the age where it's gonna be it's gonna happen in the next couple of years or it's not so Uh, (laughs) we're thinking about it you know the conversation is always like well we can't afford it you know and i mean who can ever afford to have kids um
0: yeah no that's yeah yeah. that was kind of what i used to to put it off it's not Uh, like some
1: pot of gold that shows up in your doorstep and it's
0: like well that's the thing is like well it's not as if i'm waiting on this huge windfall of money to fall on my head and then it's going to be a good time you Mm know yeah uh yeah, so, so what, my what is wife, that number exactly? My wife just sort of pushes me forward on all these things, and yeah, and then I go ah,
1: yeah, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked, about <laughs> and it.
0: then it's fine, and then it works, and you know, it's just like everything else. You just sort of you, you learn how to handle it a, as it comes.
1: Yeah, it's just like it's, another another thing to um, plan your day with.
0: Yeah, but but yeah, I certainly don't want to minimize the. um um I mean it, it it revolutionizes your life it turns things way upside down and, and in a good way. <laughs> it definitely makes makes uh a lot of things more of a challenge as far as time management goes. Um mm-hmm. but anyway. Um okay so do you are you working in the house? You have a studio there at the house? I do.
1: Um so we bought a three bedroom and you know one of the one of the whole stipulations when we were looking at houses was um, where am I going to paint? Uh, and that's one of the beauty of, uh, the great things about my my wife is she's been so supportive. I can't even believe she didn't dump me when we were dating. And I was like at water street because I was such a broke person, you know, that now that we're doing way better. And, um, we went looking for a house. She was like, yeah, well, you definitely need your studio. And and it's been a, a big priority for us, um but we also have a yeah, spare that's bedroom, great. but yeah, so one of the spare bedrooms is my studio, which is a good good size um We looked into like doing the garage thing, and I'm still considering mm-hmm. doing it, like building a garage or a studio, but oh, it's so freaking expensive Westchester one yeah of I most can expensive imagine. counties in the country
0: and do you would you run <clears throat> excuse me um would you run into things like um, having to get a permit and that kind of thing for like another building on your property? Absolutely. I mean, so we had yeah. an
1: architect come in um, this summer, and we talked to him, and I mean, he's he was something like three hundred dollars uh, per square foot was like the estimate, and Ooh. I mean, unless you're building like a ten foot by ten foot, you know, little yeah. closet, I mean, and even that was three thousand dollars, you know. Once you get into the idea of a garage. Um, you want like a 20 by 20 space.
0: Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, if you're going to build something... You, ne- you want yeah, north you light. Build, you know. Yeah, like do it right. Yeah. yeah.
1: But then there was just so many setbacks, too. I don't know if you, how far you want me to get into it, but once, yeah, sure. once you get into like building a garage, um, if it's not attached to your house, you can only uh-huh. do up to half the amount of square footage of your house. So we have about 1,200 square feet, so I can only build a 600-square-foot garage. And then oh, because weird. of zoning... We can only build it with a fifteen or a twelve foot pitch, so Ugh. you know it's kind of.
0: So you said you're on you're on an acre, is that right? We're on one point
1: one acres. Yeah, we have a okay. ton of trees around, um, but that's the other thing. So is it
0: are, are the other houses like close by?
1: You know, I actually um, we don't see our neighbors much. It's kind of beautiful thing. It, it doesn't even sound <laughs> like I live in New York, but um, yeah. I didn't know I had neighbors behind my house until the first winter when all the leaves fell. And I was like,
0: Oh, <laughs> you can see back there. Yeah, but, but it was like
1: the death star it was like the largest house right. that I'd ever seen. And then I was like, all right, well, can't walk around naked anymore. No. <laughs> yeah,
0: Um
1: But no, we, we've got a, we've got a beautiful lot and we, we really, I live with nature. It's, it's a beautiful thing. We got deer running in our backyard and, you know I, yes. I have a huge garden so uh it's always fighting i had to fight groundhogs this this summer <laughs> so and then moles and raccoons and wacky stuff that you know nice. you get out of the city and you you trade in like all the police sirens and fire trucks yeah. for for like mice and <laughs> raccoons <laughs>
0: um so do you have you painted outside there in your in your yard like doing some plain air out there
1: i haven't you'd think i did because we have these like beautiful rocks um mm-hmm. but i i always think of doing it but um again i'm such a night owl you know I, right it when it's daytime
0: y- yeah it's it so true. hard I... to
1: work i want right. to be outside and that's why <laughs> i have a garden and that's just kind of outside just doing something all the time or you know me and my wife are sitting outside and just it's serene you know we're not far from the hudson river either
0: Oh we see it from our
1: our house so oh
0: man that's great
1: yeah it feels like uh we're in the catskills or something did you go up so when
0: you ride to the what's that did you go up that first year to the catskills to the no i didn't but um my Wife and I went to, let's see, when I turned 30, she came up uh, from Texas and we went to the city Hudson. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and it's Spent a weekend up there. And we went to Frederick Church's house and oh, sweet. Uh, Olana and uh, Thomas Cole's house. and Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, so we've got that flavor. Like when people come and That's visit, great. they're always like, you know, I can't believe I can't believe you like come home to this every day it doesn't seem like somebody could you know Mm -hmm. it being so close to manhattan but that's great yeah it's pretty awesome
0: um so todd what what's going on um in the studio right now what are you working on
1: well i just uh let's see actually i just finished
0: well you got you have a you have a show coming up right i
1: do and it's still evolving i mean um okay I was in there at the gallery. I'm represented by Ray's Gallery in Manhattan, uh, Midtown. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was in there today, just kind of, we're still trying to figure out what we want to do for the show. Uh, Originally, I had some ideas, but um, I think it's going to evolve into something a little more personal right now. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, Okay. kind of the the show was about, we are going to do the cocktail small paintings that I was doing. But um, I don't know, you know, a- those
0: are those are the so you've been doing these six by eight paintings right of um can you describe that a little bit yeah i do these little
1: um well i approached the gallery and they um i showed them the big stuff and they loved it and then i said i also have these little studies which you know with our training at water street uh one of the things we always did before you do a painting was do a poster study it's very uh anthony Ryder um ted seth mm-hmm. jacobs i think is does it right and it Kind of one of these things that has gotten handed down. Jacob was doing them, but they're they're cool little little you know blocky studies of uh, the thing you're about to paint in a in a right. that inform the larger painting. Um, so I I went in and I showed him uh, one of the little studies that I had done of a, of a sidecar. It was a cocktail drink from uh, I think the 20s, which is basically a brandy margarita. Uh So I went in within like uh, a day or two of them getting the painting. They sent out this kind of email blast because they're like, Hey, you know, welcome Todd Casey, the gallery, blah, blah, blah. And then they sold it right away. And I thought, well, it's really cool to sell paintings. (laughs) Yeah. So I approached them and said, you know, why don't I do more of these like a bunch of them. And Uh we've kind of been on this cool pace for the last, I've been, you know, I've been in the gallery about a year and a half, a year and a half's worth of just, doing these paintings um and i think they've sold at least 10 of them they've they've sold a bunch nice. i don't know the exact number but it's brought in commissions that's actually uh, what i just finished in my studio to answer that question was a commission um for somebody which was a, a drink painting which was a cool. little bigger
0: but so are people like was this some someone came in and was like oh i i love jack and coke I need this guy to do a Jack and Coke, that kind of thing. You know, I think that's what it is.
1: And um, cool. You know, I haven't I haven't really gotten those kind of commissions yet, where somebody comes in and says like, paint this. Uh huh.
0: Oh, okay. So it was more just they wanted a painting. The ones yeah. they like what you're doing. They want they wanted a painting in that in that vein, and they leave it up to you. Or? Yeah, the
1: commission that I got was. Um, was actually from one of Howard's friends that he's giving it to his wife for uh, Hanukkah, which I think starts next week. Okay. So he was like, Oh, this is my wife's favorite wine. So, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, It it becomes like a little bit of a personal thing that people drink, you know, Howard commissioned me to do another one too, for uh, a wedding they were going to. So I did a Moscow mule. Um, But it's fun. I mean, you know, people ask me why I do these little cocktail paintings and I really love doing them. To me, they're, mm-hmm. they're just kind of, it's kind of like doing little studies or, you know, that's kind of where I was with it. Or, you know, if you were a, a professional baseball player, uh, you're still going to the batting cage and you're still trying to stay sharp. So yeah, you know what I mean, that's kind of like how I look at them. They're not,
0: no, it's yeah. Not too... It's so satisfying to kind of to crank out a little painting like that and just Yeah, and they're just little beautiful things
1: in their own little right, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're looser too, which always right. informs my larger work because there's a divide between my larger work and my smaller stuff that I want to narrow that gap, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the more and more I do those smaller ones, the more and more I can push towards that or gain the confidence you know, I, I feel like every day I'm still learning how to paint to a degree. I mean,
0: yeah. You know, I'm not but going... Do you feel like those those smaller ones, it's sort of less pressure? And, it is. It's exactly um, what it is. It's kinda, do, you, do you feel like you experiment a little bit more with those? Or? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like...
1: I, I feel like the bigger ones are like... I expect them to come out a certain way when the smaller ones I definitely have room to... Try a different brush or something. Even
0: it's almost like with I. I mean, I guess you could. It could go the other way when you get super big. Maybe it. It sort of re- reverts back a little bit. But I feel like it's almost like you hit a certain size, and at that point, you got to be like pretty tight. I mean, as far as like where we're coming from, anyway, in the in the the way that we paint. Yeah, it's kind of our um, training. Uh, do you agree with that? I don't know. I feel like once you hit, like, I mean, I don't know what the number would be, uh, 12 by 16 or something. And then, then it's like, that's that painting has got to be super tight and finished. Yeah, but if you're say, honestly, you know, s- yeah. six by eight, or whatever you-, you can get away with being, you yeah, know, I think you're closer. right. I
1: think you're right actually. Cause now I'm, I'm just thinking of the last 12 by 16 I did. And, um, it was way tighter than I wanted it to be. Yeah. But, but, it's weird because my my small stuff I feel is loose, um, but then I'm like, well, if I just do a bigger version of it, what is the bigger version of this brush in comparison to it? And maybe I'll just do that, you know? Uh, but I don't okay. do that. Yeah. <laughs> then grab the smaller brushes.
0: <laughs> you know? I no, I know it's it's so many times I've gone into a painting with an idea about. Um, Maybe loosening up a little bit and being a little bit brushier and and I just can't. It feels sloppy to me and I I just can't deal with it yeah. and <laughs> I feel like I'm being lazy yeah. in in some way or something. Well, you know, from
1: from for, for my training, I've I've tried to have a lot of artists all around me of of different approaches. You know, like Max mm-hmm. Ginsberg is is one guy that I he's like a grandfather to me. He's a guy, I always go and see a studio and I'm always, I'm always like, I just want to watch him paint. And, yeah. and it's kind of one of those things that always reinforces you to think, well, eh, maybe I could just use that big brush and do the old painting and give it a shot. Right. It, it's almost like we put a, a lot of pressure on ourselves to be consistent with our work, I think. Where if, yeah. you, if you go back to those like studying days, You know, when the teacher is like, you know, this is your time to experiment and have fun. You know what I mean? Because then after that, your, your career is, you know, you give somebody something and then they expect that again times two and then three. And then there's not too much room to grow. Maybe. Yeah. You know, we want to.
0: I feel like there's some there's also kind of a natural tendency where you just want to you just want to improve with each painting. And then it's sort of we're starting from this place where you know, we're, we're focused on creating believable form and, um, and that necessitates a certain way of of working. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like you have a natural tendency to want to improve from painting to painting. And I know for me, I think, I think that's where it comes from, where I can't, um, I feel like I'm doing a different thing if, I feel like I'm not accomplishing that thing that I wanted to do, which was, you know, have this really believable form and, and, and make that painting just feel like you can touch it. And I feel like I can't, I guess I feel like I can't achieve that if I'm, if I'm painting a little bit looser. Yeah. yeah. Um, nope. I don't know, but you know, there's guys, I, and I think you studied a little bit with Travis Schlatt, right? Yeah. I was,
1: I was just going to bring him up actually. He, you know, Yeah.
0: One, I mean, I love his painting so much.
1: He's another dude. Well, he, he just moved to. Paris. But um he he was a guy that in the last three, three and a half kind of since I left Water Street, it was like I gained all that like, you know, tight uh how to way to paint and then after that was like, All right, how do I break it up a little bit? And he's mm-hmm. one of the dudes that when I would go to a studio I'd just be like, Wow You know, yeah. just like Max, like, Wow, like holy crap, like you did like three little brush strokes and got all that form and I'm like sitting there with a little dinky one trying mm-hmm. to get too much and you know yeah. over render it and um he kind of has helped me re- rethink where I want to go with it because I, mm-hmm. I I love I love the texture and the paint in the way he paints.
0: Yeah, one of, I do too. And
1: one of the great things he's said too is just kind of go in with your idea of what you want the painting to look like at the end. And if if you go in with that then it'll probably help you achieve that.
0: That's, yeah, that's great advice. Uh, I mean, do you, so if you're making a larger painting, you're still doing the, um, the poster study, right?
1: Yeah. And these poster studies, uh, again, they just keep selling. Like I sold, <laughs> I did the, I did the huge painting, you know, we were in the reflecting the real show at the Ray sh- uh, gallery and oh. I did two poster studies for it cause I wasn't sure what I wanted the background. And I sent them to Howard, Howard Ray's donor, owner and he told him. He told them before I was even done the big one.
0: So they were supposed to. So have you. Um, Yeah, that's great, man. That's so cool. It is good.
1: But, you know, the reason why we do them is we're supposed to uh, use them as a tool to inform the bigger painting.
0: Yeah, well, that that's <laughs> what I was going to ask you is, is if, um you know, going back to what you're saying with Travis, Travis's advice, um, are you trying to use those poster studies as like, OK, I want I'm going to. You know, now I'm going to do this painting at whatever size, eighteen, twenty-four, or something. Yeah. But I want it to look like this poster painting. Like. Kinda. Are you doing that? Or are you kind of thinking along those terms? Oh yeah, or? absolutely.
1: I still haven't gotten there yet. You know, it's kind yeah. of like that beautiful, um, uh, you know, guy with the the fishing pole behind him with the carrot. You're always kind of like running after it, like <laughs> trying to figure it out. Um, yeah. I, I feel like I make strides with every painting a little closer towards the look that I want, but then yep. you go back and you look at Max or you look at Travis and you go, Oh man, I'm not even, you know, they're, they're so much more bolder and they're older, you know, they've been doing it for much longer, uh, not to make excuses, but there's, a, you know, we we keep evolving. I think in our work, um, you, you see it through all kinds of art, you know, like Dean yeah. Cornwall is another guy that I looked at his work for years, and he was top of his game as an illustrator in the 30s, painting these beautiful paintings. And then he eventually just got away from it. He got bored of it. He ended up studying, I think, with Nikolai Fetchin for a while, doing portrait painting in in uh, in New York. But then he, oh wow. And then he went over and studied, or yeah, in his later uh, life he studied with Frank Brangwen in London. And then his work took another turn. And it ended mm-hmm. up being very, very Frank Brangwyn esque, like the mural work he did. So, I mean, we can get wow. comfortable. Travis even says it all the time. He's like, you know, I could do these paintings of like still life paintings, um, but it's not what I want to do. I could probably make a lot of money doing it, but he's always searching for something more, you know, evolving.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think we all run into that. Yeah. Um, I guess it's a wall.
1: yeah well maybe it's my analogy it's the fishing pole with the carrot (laughs) it's always something you know what i mean like you even if you got the carrot you'd realize there's another one that you're in
0: yeah i i mean i I hope it's more than a grass is greener kind of thing um because i I wouldn't want to that would be disappointing to sort of go after another thing and then go
1: oh have you ever read any any joseph campbell (laughs) at all do you know joseph campbell
0: uh, I know who he is. Um, big, big influence. I saw some of the videos a long time ago. Oh but... yeah,
1: influenced Star Wars and. Uh...
0: Right. Anyway,
1: he says follow your follow your bliss, which ends up being you know he wrote a book called The Hero's Journey, which is what mm-hmm. informed uh, George Lucas to write to help him write Star Wars, and it's kind of like, it's kind of the journey, which is the fun part that you're just on, and if you're following your right. bliss as he says it's kind of your lifelong journey that, you know, doors will open where they shouldn't have opened for you, you know, kind of things like that. (laughs) So
0: I'm on it. Well, I'm hoping to be on it. (laughs) So you mentioned you're kind of working towards this show, this raised show with, with these cocktail paintings. Um, But then you mentioned that it might be taking a more, uh, the show might be taking a more personal turn as far as the the work you're creating. So um, do you want to talk about that? Absolutely.
1: Um, Okay. And you know, every time we talk, all the time, so every time I talk to you, it changes too. So uh, I guess we'll date the show by saying that's kind of where I am with it. But um, honestly, my, my feeling about this is that the cocktail paintings, they come from inside and I love to do them, but they're just, they're not super deep they're just like i was saying sharpening your sword or you know playing yeah. your instrument all the time or sure. just kind of keep pushing towards like wow well, it's just a technique driven kind of ideal or making a pretty little picture um well the,
0: yeah i feel like those are the kind of paintings where you obviously there's content to it but maybe it's one of those things where you're like Oh man, I love the way the light is coming through this. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, whatever this alcohol is, or um, so you get you get excited about kind of Beauty. The, the physical yeah. stuff that's going on. Yeah, the,
1: purely just just a beautiful thing, you know.
0: Right, but
1: you know, for the other stuff, the bigger stuff, those those big ship paintings, the mm-hmm. they're they're very narrative to me. But they they say a lot more of like what I want to say. They're much more layered. Um, <laughs> and I, and I hate to tell people what the paintings are about because, you know, it'll create a narrative for them when, you know, it, it's almost like when I used to listen to Pearl Jam back in the day and you're like, what the heck did Andy Venner say? You know, <laughs> but then you're making up like Jeremy's smoking, you know, and you're like, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. What? you know, don't, so you, don't call me a daughter. Does that mean yeah, exactly?
1: You're right. Like, it's what? not
0: her daughter what? or <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, a yeah. lot
1: of the narrative. Um, I want them to pull into their visceral, uh, you know, create the narrative for you. If you want to ask me what the painting's about, I glad, gladly tell you what each one is about. Um,
0: well, yeah. So, I mean, can you talk about maybe the direction that that these paintings are? Is it all going to be six by eight? I guess. No. So that's sure. what I'm thinking. It's just a okay. bigger. Okay. Right. So you're gonna have okay.
1: Like uh, originally, I pitched maybe doing like 52 small paintings. Um, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, the more I thought about it, and this is what I was talking with Lance about today is it just seems decorative, you know, and there there are times I think in your career in which which you don't know which, where you're at, but you could define your career as being something. One thing I don't want to be known as is like the Thomas Kincaid, the painter of light, you know, like I don't want to be the painter of cocktails. I I enjoy doing them. Um, Right. If I have a show and then it sells out, you know, do I have to do a, a bunch more? Or is, <laughs> is that the kind of like commercial aspect? So they're just, you know, they're questions yeah. of like, as artists, we're visual, uh, you know, we're trying to create something like visual poetry, I'd say. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when we look internal and and express ourselves that way, it's it's just much more genuine. You know, I mean, anybody could do the cocktail paintings, not anybody. Obviously, they're going to have different hands and stuff. But I think once you get into uh, compositions or elements of things that are composed the way that you would, that's kind of the poetry, you know. Yeah. Prose.
0: Yeah. Well, that's I mean, that's such a huge aspect to huge aspect of being an artist is that that's, you know, you have that burning desire to create something that's uniquely only you would do that and only you know it's something we have to make personal work absolutely the the other paintings i mean they're fine there's nothing wrong with it but i i think we'll burn out if if that's what we do yeah and you know i've i've done it you know make a painting that's um that's maybe not the most personal thing to me, but uh, but might have a buyer out there. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we have to make personal paintings, or, or or it's over, I think. I think it just totally becomes clocking in and, and doing another job, and that's well, exactly. that absolutely not what exactly. any of us wanted I, I have to that. do.
1: I have that, and it pays the bills during the day. Yeah. Why do I want to... Not that I don't like the cocktail paintings. I love the cocktail paintings. It's yeah. just how far could I push a cocktail painting deeper than a cocktail painting? You know, right. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's a Manhattan, you know, if you want me to tell you it's the creation of Adam and give you some (laughs) crazy philosophical ridiculousness, that's fine. You know,
0: I like the idea of giving paintings like that, just ridiculous names, like, um, you know, (laughs) the assumption of Mary or yeah.
1: <laughs> the gardener of earthly really delights. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's a Coke. coke, coke again. Yeah. Yeah. But you see what I'm saying? It's like, you, you don't want to come to the fork in the road and then take the easy path and go, well, I can make money this way. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as I do love to sell and I'm in business with my gallery to make money with them. But in the other aspect, like Lance today, our conversation was so awesome. He was just like, listen, the last thing I want you to do is push you into a show in which you wouldn't be happy doing. So just we'll do whatever it is you want, whatever way you want to express yourself, you know. And that's that to me is like the right gallery. And they are the that's right gallery for me. Yeah. Yeah. They're not like, yeah. well, Todd, you know, we've sold 10 drink paintings and three big ones. So you should do more drink paintings. Mm -hmm. They're just kind of like, well, you know, if you want to do this thing, we're behind you. And pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's great.
1: So the show is up in the air of kind of what it is. I have ideas of it, but I haven't completely worked them out because the conversation was today. I was thinking about doing more of the boat paintings because it just ties back to... Maybe, like I said, the visceral, my childhood. Um, I grew up in New England. I'm from Massachusetts. Kind of yep. digging into it. It t- it also ties to Ralph Lauren, you know. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the reason why I even like those ships is because I used to walk through uh, at, war- at Polo's office, which feels like an old French chateau or something. And you'd walk through and just see all these, like, uh, globes and old yacht boats and stuff Mm, was like cool the way the way they're presented is beautiful Mm -hmm. you know so but uh, it's much more layered than that once you get into it but
0: so todd you mentioned that after your uh, 20 minute nap on the uh, train ride into the city um you pull out some books so can you talk about some of the books that you've read on the train recently or, oh, or things that you like wanting to get to or yeah you
1: know i've i've been um i started with fiction and uh it, listen there's there's books all over the place I, i'm into guarding books i mean i could name a couple if you want um <laughs> i'm into like you know michael Pollan wrote a fantastic book called the omnivore's oh, dilemma yeah. awesome uh-huh. book man
0: i think i know that book yeah
1: i actually read it and then i ended up um being a pescatarian for a whole year just to give it a shot, almost like, like a method actor. Like, well, I could have a conversation and say I like this thing or I don't like this or why would anyone not eat meat? Uh-huh. But it's almost like not until you give it up and play that side that you can actually, I feel, you know, have a voice on it.
0: You know what I'm saying? So how, how did that affect you?
1: The book was pretty amazing. I mean, I want to go into the book. Well, the, the, the,
0: the, the pescatarian diet it
1: what's one of those things I think the reaction was the most astounding thing for me i I gave it up all last year two thousand fourteen and uh-huh. I just started this december or January first and just thought like why don't I give it up for a week or two I was watching a lot of ted talks at the time too on like uh farming and organic uh kind of like our food source for the world mm-hmm. and uh a lot of it was the reactions in which other people were like you know oh no dude I fucking love steak too much to give it up you know and it's like well that's why you should give it up you know what I mean like give it a shot you haven't tried so it was more the reactions that people had to it that I was kind of just shocked and then the ones that were like thinking that at 12.01 on you know once the year was up I was going to have like the John Candy 96 (laughs) ounce steak waiting for me you know like to make up for all the lost time.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing about those. <laughs> once you, once you give some things up, you stop, you stop craving them, right?
1: Yeah. The only thing I really craved was like chicken wings. And that's when you're like having a <laughs> beer and you're watching football or something, you know? Um. Some of the other books, obviously Joseph Campbell. Um. I, I'm big time into uh, philosophy books. I feel like that's another one of those things, kind of the layers that help inform my paintings, so mm-hmm. Nietzsche is always big. Uh Descartes mm-hmm. uh right around the corner. Uh uh Carl Jung is another guy um mm-hmm. that am I've been reading lately. Just like name dropping now. <laughs> um if I that's were to good. tell your audience to read a couple books, I would say like The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell. It'll uh-huh. probably change I think yeah, page... that's a
0: great book for artists. Oh,
1: it's so good. And and then the videos. I watched the videos in my studio. Uh, all the time, and the, the, every time I watch them, I, I get a little more out of it. Yeah, but then there's also the uh the Steve Martin book that he wrote on um on the art world, which had like the Gagosian hmm. gallery in there. So I go like kind of all over the place. I, I feel like if I read too much of the same, I get a little bored of it. But the classics, <clears throat> right, taught, too, the classics are another one Hemingway. I was uh reading the old man and the sea. Uh uh-huh. James Joyce. Um again, you know, I just find like they're all fuel for the what informs my paintings.
0: Oh definitely music
1: is also a huge part. Every not every one of my paintings, but a lot of my bigger paintings, the title come from songs. Mm-hmm. So either it's the song that I was stuck on when I was painting it, in which in fused into the kind of the mood of the painting. Um but yeah. Like the last painting I just did, it was a little violin, well, not a little one, 18 by 24 violin painting. And it's called Another Story, which is a song by a band called The Head and the Heart. I don't know if you know Mm -hmm. them. They're kind of like the Lumineers and uh, folk music or I don't even know what that indie pop or not even indie pop. Indie pop's terrible. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, you know, poetry, I read poetry, uh, everything just kind of together, the arts. We're all working symbiotically, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I do watch some TV, but uh, I don't watch a lot of it. I I don't even watch movies anymore, just because it just takes the fun out of what I'm trying to do. You know, it, it's mm. almost like a they're so descriptive and narrative in their own way. Yeah, and visual that.
0: Well, I you know I don't watch. You and I are big sports fans. I rarely watch a game anymore because I, well, partly because I can't, I just. You don't want to
1: dedicate three and a half hours?
0: Right. I can't, I feel just incredibly slothful if I've sat down and watched three hours of a game. Um, but the other part of it, the, the more important part, is that I get, I just, I love listening to it yeah. on the radio. Yeah, it's like a lost art, right? Yeah. Like what
1: they used to do back in like the 60s or 50s when like TVs weren't huge and they were around, but you just kind of sit around with the family and, you know, listen to the radio cast or you can kind of like conjure up your own
0: visual language. You know? It's yeah. It's just totally, it's just such a different experience. And I certainly love to watch a game here and there. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um But, but I really at this point would prefer to listen to it. Um, and, and a lot of that's because I can listen to it and paint at the same time, which is, you know, the best of both worlds. Yeah. Well, it's such an awesome thing,
1: what you're saying. I mean, you know, I find with a lot of what technology does now with smartphones and all this stuff, it only makes you stupider people. I mean, that's, I mean, that's generalizing, but you know, there's almost not that idea that you're going to like go to the library anymore because everything's readily accessible online. And mm-hmm. find that book that you accidentally went to the wrong shelf, but we're, were like, wow, what is this? You know? Yeah. It's just kind of like very directed and you you don't stumble upon things anymore. The journey is almost missing. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah. You know, we actually use our, our, our local library quite a bit. Yeah, we um, do too. And I mean, I mostly go there and get excited about a stack of books that I come home with and then... You know, read like half of the book and then I have to return it. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> but it's really fun. I like, I love it so much. I get so excited about, yeah, you know, finding this, finding something new and, uh, um, stumbling
1: on something. Like, yeah, you know, sometimes people even leave a, a weird note in there and you're like, what the, what <laughs> is that? Like, the book has a smell to it. You know, it's, it's the experience, which is, you know, what, why a lot of us paint from life is, it's all about that experience, you know. Right. It's yeah, it's not absolutely. Just bringing out a, a photo and working from it, but
0: mhm. Um getting back to sort of just having a career as an artist and the kind of unique path that that we have to take. I know that you are you've got a couple of teaching gigs, right? Yeah, on the side yeah. besides so you're working at Polo full-time. Yeah. And then you're painting it. Painting in your evenings and on the weekends, I assume. Is that right? Uh, for the most part, I mean, <laughs> I
1: try to. You know, I yeah, I I'm very organic. Uh, I try yeah. not to be too rigid. Although I I do try to be rigid during the week. On the mm-hmm. weekends, it's kind of relaxed. and I I paint right. I paint when I when I want to paint. You know, kind of kind cool. of like, I, I look at the situation go do i really want to go to the studio right now And if i want to go some days you can't like i'll paint the whole day you know you know you do like a 16 hour painting day then there's weekends when i'll just sit around and spend time with my wife you know i mean it's all about the balance of all relationships and things that you love to do in your life and obviously hang out my wife is one of them
0: yeah of course you're teaching, you're doing an online class at the Academy of Art, right? Yeah. I teach
1: at the Academy of Art University online, which is where both cool. me and you, uh, went, you went for your undergrad. I went for my
0: master's. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you teaching? You're teaching online, right? Did I mention that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's two classes that I teach, okay. um, which is, I usually do one, sometimes I'll do two a semester. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I I love teaching I was teaching up at Mass College of Art in Boston and the Mm -hmm. uh, uh, New Hampshire Institute of Art in Manchester and I really wanted to go down that path of teaching and this was a way for me to still stay in touch and keep doing it Um, but also you know I like to give to help with giving the right education I wouldn't even say right as it sounds pretentious but I always like to help people out, you know, so yeah
0: of... well you've you've learned uh you have something very specific to teach, you have a certain skill set yeah. that and it, that, and it's something you know...
1: that I think we both felt when we went to our undergrad that it wasn't being taught, where it's making right. a swing back right so, but i teach, yeah, sure. I teach in the foundations department, I teach um color fundamentals, but I also teach analysis of form. Two two fun classes, two different ones. More of one's more of like you know, structured um, drawing from plaster casts, very much kind of Mm -hmm. like our our training. They do it with charcoal Mm -hmm. though, and the other one is more like color theory, applying it to um, more graphic design, industrial design, game design, kind of stuff like that. So kind of straddles, kind of straddles my two worlds. Of so are they working are they working digitally they do they do a lot of like vector-based art um in illustrator uh-huh. but they also work in photoshop uh, but it's really kind of applying uh, different triads and tertiary and secondary and all you know all these like different okay. terms and and then putting making them do an assignment so they get it or a couple of exercises and you know do a color wheel um it's a fun class. It's a ton of work, though.
0: Yeah. I mean, so we talked about kind of what, what a normal day looks like for you during the week. Um, but we didn't talk about this. So when are you, <laughs> how are you fitting in the, uh, the teaching?
1: <sighs> I hope my boss at Polo is not listening. <laughs> um, you know, I check in at Polo during the day. Um, yeah. You just squeeze it in. Okay. Honestly, they say that it's five hours a week. Some nights, you know, when I'm sitting there eating dinner with Gina, I'll, um, I'll just kind of crank. It's actually what I was doing right before uh, our, our interview right now. Just kind of like whatever you can fit in a little bit of time. It also right. helps me to inform uh, the right critique to the student if I see the work and think about it for a couple of days. So I have a five-day window in which I, okay. I can give them feedback.
0: Sometimes how it, many students
1: are you dealing with? That's like usually anywhere between ten and sixteen per class. Okay. But um, but you know, it's never the amount of allotted
0: time they say it is. Um, oh yeah, no, it, no, certainly not when you're giving critiques like that.
1: No, and digitally too is just such a different medium in which, you know, how do you give the proper critique in writing? I'm not great right. at writing. Right. Right. Um, Sometimes I will go back to yeah, my I mean, that seems and just think like how did anybody get anything out of that, you know?
0: <laughs> so I can imagine that would take so much longer because um you yeah, know, I don't know if it's like you, but if it's like this for you, but if I'm writing an email at, I agonize over yeah, <laughs> over say, you know, wording things well and and communicating properly. Mm-hmm. Um so I can imagine that would really add time to your critiques as opposed to just you know sitting down and talking to someone
1: Yeah there there's a point in which they said we could do audio critiques um I hate oh, okay. I hate the sound of my voice
0: <laughs> I mean everybody's
1: kind of shocked right then like when you hear yourself and you're like oh that's not what I hear Yeah definitely but you know sometimes I'll give audio critiques we also do like they have this um software that lets you do like drawing overlays so there's multiple different ways you kind of kind of read your student to see which one they're gonna respond to the best. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like you don't even get any response. You feel like you type out these long emails or you know responses to their their work, and then you're like, all right, did they read it? And some of them, a majority of them, I don't think <laughs> I don't think they do. <laughs> but you know, yeah.
0: you get some good. Ones so you and, have. You're in the foundations department, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, foundation.
0: So does that mean yeah, I so I went through the foundations department there. Um I can remember in those classes. It's you know, it's like any I guess lower level uh college courses where you get a lot of people who just have to take that class and then that's yeah. not necessarily the path they're on. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like a prereq
1: uh, class that every yeah, it's like a pre major too. That everyone has to go through. Right. So that's why they're always packed.
0: Yeah. So what percentage of that class would you say is is serious about doing
1: the work there? You know, the tough thing about, um, you know, the new, maybe the new generation or the new way of learning online Mm -hmm. is that it really caters to the inaccessibility to move to San Francisco and really study there. Um, it, it's kind of what we were talking about with the library, right? Like, yeah. they're not going to the place. They're making everything, in everyone's situation, is different. I mean, I don't want to typecast, but it, it, it's making it very easy for them to do the work in their setting. You know, it's oh, kind yeah. of like going to the gym versus having the gym in your house. You probably go to the gym more if it's not in your house, right? I think yeah. they they always it's It's harder to get into the mode of wanting to do the work because you can just wait to the last minute rather than right. at Tuesday at nine o'clock at night you have your class for two hours, you know,
0: yeah, yeah, so
1: I find a lot of late submissions
0: i I'm a little bit surprised that they would do foundations online like that it It
1: just kind of caters to like the new generation because yeah, you know the Academy of art um looks around the globe now they do a mass amount of advertising in China, um, in Asia in general. And, you know, they, you just have students from around the world at different time zones. And it, it just, as a business model, it makes it so you can reach much more people, you know?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, of course.
1: But I agree. I agree. I, you often, you hope that you're affecting these kids in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope I am. And, I, you know, I've gotten wonderful emails that, you know, help you stay and want to do it. <laughs> Cause, because I don't interact with them. I'm just I'm an yeah, email correspondent, you know? Yeah, right. I don't even do Skype. It's not anything like that. It's just kind of like this portal that they go into. And I'm a phantom that comes in and <laughs> critiques them.
0: <laughs> yeah. So... Well, Todd, let's um let's in there, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me. Sorry I talk so much. I feel like <laughs> Well, it's it's a talk show, so that's good. Cool, man. I, I definitely
1: want to hear what music you put at the beginning of this, by the way.
0: <laughs> that was it. I got I got in trouble from from Scott for using M&M with Doug cuz Scott loves m m and... Oh, wow. I thought he could have yeah. got
1: like the Star Wars Imperial March or something. Yeah, uh,
0: well, you know, I don't know. I wanted, I was gonna find like, I wanted to find a a theme, you know, theme music for the show that would just be every every episode, and then, and it's kind of the way I was going with the first two episodes, and then I started listening to Eminem a lot, before, <laughs> during the time I was doing Doug's thing, and so I I wanted to do that, but
1: what did yeah we'll see Todd all right man I was gonna say what did Doug have to say about Eminem as the intro
0: no I don't know all right it's probably a long (laughs)
1: conversation you're trying to end the podcast and I'm trying to extend it
0: (laughs) all right Danny thanks for having me all right Todd thanks bud later man later all right I hope you enjoyed that interview with Todd Casey Go to his website ToddMKC.com to see his paintings and go to Rehs.com, R-E-H-S.com. Um, you can see more of his work and if you're interested in buying, you can see which of his paintings are available. Um, if you are listening from my website, go ahead and leave a comment and let me know what you thought about this episode um, if you're listening on iTunes, go ahead and give this episode five stars or whatever the highest rating is. Okay. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.